0: Welcome to The Gathering Pod, the audio version of my weekly Gathering Room broadcast. I'm Martha Beck. Hi everybody, this is The Gathering Room and I'm Martha Beck and you are all here with me in this virtual space, on this virtual day. Hmm, I just read an article that said the enti- there's good evidence and mounting scientific evidence that the entire universe as we know it is a simulation. I can't get into the details here. I will just say that I agree with it and it begs the question if it's a simulation who's simulating cuz really why would the whole universe be a simulation with no reason if it's a simulation it kind of it kind of insists that there be an in, uh, a simulator anyway in this gorgeous simulated world we call earth it is the 21st day of march which is the first day of spring here in the Northern hemisphere or in the US, I'm not sure what it is in different parts of the the globe. Don't know what it is in China, for instance. But also it's very close to the spring equinox. The, The spring equinox was last night and that is when the day and the night are of equal length. So the solstices happen, the winter solstice is when the night is longest. The summer solstice is when the day is longest and the, vernal equinox, the spring equinox is when they're equal. And then we get an autumnal equinox as well. So for me, I I mean, I love, I love the like full on display of winter, the cold, the snow, the everything in, in the place where we are now. I love even more the total green blast of summer. But to me, the times there, are, the equinoxes are the interesting times because they're the times of transformation and transition. And my whole life has been about transformation and transition. And in our culture, we don't really see the equinoxes the same way that they do in, in say, non-Western pre-modern cultures. So you may have heard me say this before, our way of thinking is linear. You start out at one, as small and weak and immature, and you grow upward in power and stature until you achieve mightiness and then you die. But we don't talk about that. And we like dress dead bodies up and pretend they're not really dead. Uh, We don't like the fact that the line ends. In a lot of other cultures, everything is seen as cyclical. So here comes the spring equinox. What does that mean? It means that we're going around the cycle again. And it means that this is the time of birth the uh, the vernal equinox is the time of fertility and birth and everyone celebrates that and everyone celebrates the new spring because there has never been this spring before so when you look at a cyclical view of life and you see the four seasons you welcome each one and you might also acknowledge that there is a there's a beginning um, there's a winter, I guess life begins in the winter, but it sprouts in the springtime, it matures in the summer, it fades in the autumn and then it dies again in the, in the winter and your life goes through that as well. In fact, lives go through it in many ways. So I would say I'm in the autumn of my life and, I guess that means that I could be just celebrating autumn all the time, but I prefer to look at life as the cyclical kind. It doesn't, I see it as a spiral. Every time you go around the cycle, you move one for, uh, uh, a ring forward, like a a screw, right? You go around, but you also go forward. So the linear and cyclical models are sort of joined together. But that means that for me, the spring equinox is It's not just, oh, here, here we go round again to another season. This is brand new, never happened before. Like the other day, yesterday, actually, I went outside um, to feed my birds. Don't feed your birds in Carolina. There's some kind of salmonella going around. Anyway, I didn't know that. So I was feeding, filling the bird feeder and we have this little tiny pond. And over the pond, we put a mesh because it keeps, Uh, great blue herons from eating the fishies in the pond. It's all very complicated. I would not have, we inherited this setup. I'm not nearly that ambitious, but um, there are little orange fish in there and there's nothing more visible from the sky than an orange fish. So we put this mesh over it and I went out and a little dove had gotten under the mesh. I guess she was getting a drink of water or something and she couldn't get out. So she was flapping around most piteously and I was like, oh no, I've got to save her. So I ran around the pond and I was tearing the mesh open and using sticks to do this and that. And I did get her out and just as she flew away, I looked down at my feet and there were the first purple crocuses of the springtime that I had seen. And I took a little picture of them and I looked at them and I thought, I'm sorry for that bird. Now she's feeding on the, you know, she's getting her calories back on the bird feeder. So she was okay. But I thought maybe she just led me out here to see the first crocuses of spring. And at that moment, because I was sort of not in my civilized mind, I was so focused on the bird and the sticks and everything. They were like the first crocuses I'd ever seen in my life. It was like, what is that? (laughs) And at the same time, all my knowledge, all my experience of crocuses growing up in Utah and then living in Boston, the the crocuses were the first thing, sometimes they'd pop through the snow and they would just dare to come up. And the crocus was always the sign that life was coming again. And yesterday when I saw that and I realized it was the spring equinox and I thought it's time to start an entirely new life. And after a year of COVID, now about 24% of the of the U.S. population has had at least one vaccination. Someone in our house has one <clears throat> vaccination. We're waiting for the other ones. We're all going to get them eventually. Um, and that means that we're, we're, we're moving forward into a, a really new world this particular year. Like it's been a year we've never seen before and it's going to be a summer like we've never seen before. And by late spring, early summer, most people will be vaccinated and society will have gone, I was going to say gone back to something, but it won't go back to something. Nothing ever goes back to something. Everything always goes forward. The arrow of time only goes forward. And that's why I think it was Seneca who said, uh, you can never put your foot in a river, in the same river twice, because the second time it's a completely different set of water <laughs> the water molecules. And then my friend Stephen Mitchell said also, you can never stick your foot in the same river twice because it's never the same foot. Like everything changes all the time. And if you perceive life that way, and this is how the enlightened seem to perceive it, everything's always fresh and new. And everything's miraculous. Um, you guys know I love the spiritual teacher, Byron Katie. And <laughs> every time I've gone to eat with her, her experience of the food is so incredible. She's like It's like she's never had a bagel before in her life, yet she knows what they are. But she, I'll never forget one time, I went to this breakfast buffet with them and Katie, I'd been asking Katie, what's it like if you're completely without suffering? What is it like if you're completely, she, suffering comes from regretting the past or, or being upset about something in the past and fearing the future. So when you are not, when you're completely present in past nor future, there's no suffering, but it also means that everything is new all the time. So I kept trying to get her to describe this to me. And then she said, wait, I'll show you. She went and she got a bagel. She, got, she toasted a bagel. And then she got all these different, um, what do they call them? What are, the ketchup and stuff? Yes, those things that you put on a bagel, cream cheese, condiments, um, capers, salmon, um, cherry tomatoes, different like spices and things. She got the whole thing in little dishes and she came, she put the bagel down and then all around her were these condiments. And then she put them all on the one, the one bagel. And it was really a loaded bagel. She said, this, this is what life is like when you don't suffer. And she took a knife and fork because you couldn't, it was too big to eat at that point. So she she cut it with her knife and fork and tried to put it in her mouth and it was still too big. So she put the piece she'd cut down and she said, now watch. She got her knife and fork again and she started cutting it in half and she said, this changes everything. (laughs) And then she just started to laugh and she ate this one bite of this perfect bagel and in that moment, it reminded me of the scene from the film, uh, Defending Your Life, where the premise is that you have to, after you die, you have to go talk to St. Peter or whoever it is. And what you have to do is defend your life. And what counts is how much joy you experience during your lifetime. And so one guy, one guy he's dead. He's tried to be good all his lifetime, but he's never let himself be happy. And so he's failing all the post-life exams. And then Meryl Streep plays someone who's actually enjoyed her life. And there's a scene where she's eating spaghetti with him in the afterlife. And I think only Meryl Streep could act this, the exquisite delight of this spaghetti. Like you can taste it through the screen and she just, it shows you that she's just in this transport of ecstasy. So this spring we have in our family, a person who's never seen spring before, Lila, our six month old baby girl, and I'm gonna take her out to see the crocuses today knowing they are literally her first crocuses ever. And because of that, I'm also seeing the crocuses through her eyes. And it made me think about how we, we celebrate the equinox. We call it Easter in Christianized countries and we pretend that it was about the crucifixion. Actually, it's a pagan ceremony. That's why the bunnies and the eggs, because they're fertility symbols, not so much about the resurrection. Although I'm sorry, if you love the resurrection, I love that story too. I've had people walk out of speeches I gave because I mentioned the Greek gods and they thought I was preaching them false gods. I got no problems with your religion. I'm just saying the bunnies and the eggs, not at the crucifixion. I've read the Bible, bunnies, eggs, not there. Fertility symbols. But here's the thing, we hide the eggs and we put candy in them and we set them out and we, get, we let the children go look for them. Because we have this damn linear process of life where we think only for the children is it new, but it's not, it's new for all of us if we can get our minds out of past and future and start really treasuring the signs of the new life that is always trying to come to us. Long ago, I met a financial planner who was one of the top planners at a big, big national, like Merrill Lynch or something. And she gave me this book and she said, this is the best financial planning thing I've ever seen, Uh, planning book I've ever read. And I read it and it was not, I thought it was going to be dry and boring. And It was basically, this guy said, I realized that um, the world is a simulation and life is just trying to send me delights. So for me now, I just see the world as a big Easter egg hunt. And every experience I have, especially the painful ones, it's like an eggshell, like a plastic eggshell that I can break open and I can find the treasure inside it. Every experience I have is an Easter egg with lots and lots of treasure. And if it's not delicious to me, I know I haven't found all the treasure inside yet. So he ends by saying, here's how you deal with your finances. You realize the world is just a simulation built to give you joy. You encounter all the circumstances of your life as if you were on an Easter egg hunt. When something presents itself that is either new and strange or difficult, you assume that that is a treasure that's being given to you. And you you look for the advantages in the situation. And he said, that. <laughs> Number one, it makes my life work. Number two, I haven't worried about money at all since I started doing this. Everything just seems to work out on its own. I was like, this is not what I expected from a financial planner at Merrill Lynch. By the way, I disavow that it was Merrill Lynch. They don't teach people that. Why would they? Anyway, here's the deal for this week, you guys. You are about to experience your first spring ever, your first spring 2021 ever, your first post COVID spring ever your first spring after the desolation or the change or the refreshment that was brought by this weird year we've just had. Things will start to appear. So don't, don't look for ordinary things, look for Easter eggs. Look for something that's either <clears throat> is like calling to you or bothering you and you don't know quite why. We just had a situation like that where we were working with a business thing and part of it bothered us and part of us entranced us. And it ended up that we we had to reinterpret the whole situation to go to, with, with what our hearts wanted most. Sorry, I'm not going to give the details. It's too, it, it would take too long. But we were trying to think through it with our heads. And instead we, instead we were like, no, there's a treasure here and it's for the heart. So you may be having a family situation like that. You may be having, um, you know, a work-related situation. You may be having a health-related situation. Today, the first day after the equinox, the best time to start something new, stop and take that thing and see it as a sign of a new life. And if it looks bad, I promise you, it's twice as good as if it looked good. There's more treasure in the things that look troubling than in the things that look exciting at first. Like a couple of examples, you know, and I, these are tired examples from my own life, but I thought having a child with Down syndrome would be the, the wor- it would take things away from my life. In fact, it enriched my la- life with all kinds of things I could never have dreamed of before. I thought that realizing I was gay would like make my life worse instead it make my life so, so much better. Um, everything that's come to me dressed as a monster turned out to be the Easter bunny. <laughs> And I want you guys to just take that position. Like, oh, and here's what I want you to do. I looked up equinox rituals and what I found, and I know that for those of you in the the Southern hemisphere, it's the beginning of autumn, but that's still a time of unlocking and of change. And you can do the same things. It'll work all over the world. The thing that caught my attention was the importance of flowers in equinox, vernal equinox rituals in particular. Flowers again are a symbol of fertility because flowers, I don't know if you know this and people might walk out on me for this too, but flowers are the way plants have sex. Flowers are literally the way female plants and male plants produce the poly- the, the the parts of the new plant that need to get together to create sexual reproduction. Some plants are asexual, they reproduce other ways, but flowers are ways for plants to get together and they need bees and other insects to do it, a bee has to visit both flowers. So in a way, bees are the messengers of love and so are a lot of other insects. It's more interesting if you think of it that way. So flowers have this incredible symbolism. And if you've ever read Eckhart Tolle, who was also beyond suffering, he always talks about how a flower will take you into stillness more powerfully than any other being because it's so alive, but it's so still. And so what I realized is that over history, people have gathered flowers at the equinox. And I'd like you to get yourself at least one flower, if you can, this week, a real flower. Go out and find one that's growing in the ground. Buy one at a flower shop if there's one open. Find a way to have contact with a flower and sit with the flower for a minute and and imagine that it's the first flower you've ever seen and then trade places with the flower and think that the flower is looking at you and it's the first person the flower has ever seen. And then ask the flower, what is your advice for my new life? Then pretend to be the flower and see what the flower tells you. Cause flowers are all about what is born anew every single springtime. And who knows, maybe you are the first human that particular flower has seen. So that's my weird advice for this week. Find a flower and get its advice on how to have a new life. And now I will take some questions that our fabulous Badger, Rowan Mangan, has been sending me secretly behind the scenes. Hello, the lovely peoples. This is Marty, Martha, inviting you to a free masterclass that I have made called Five Paths to Your Purpose So the first one is from Anne. She says, any suggestions for those who are nervous about leaving the cocoon of winter? Yes, just like really go out and find the flowers. I'll never forget my, my first daughter was born in February in Boston it was freezing, freezing cold. And I waited and waited, to sh- I, I was much younger then, so it's time passed more slowly. And I remember one day I found a lilac bush that had put out a few sprigs and this was probably in March or April. And I was, I was walking home from class. My ex-husband had the baby. I ran the rest of the way home. I grabbed her, I put her in a little backpack, I ran back and I showed her this one burst of lilacs and I buried her face in it and let her smell it and told her all about this is, these are lilacs and they're, they're the most wonderful thing. And all I remember about that morning, it was, it was snowy, it was cold, it was cloudy, it was polluted. It was, I was under pressure, but all I remember is this beautiful baby and this sprig of lilacs. If you can focus your attention on the beauty, if you can cut one piece of bagel in half and say, this changes everything. I am going to be completely in this experience. There's no room to be afraid of emerging because you're not thinking about emerging. You're just in the, the space of becoming. And it's, it's scary if you think about the past and future, but if you're always in the present and flowers and food and bunny rabbits and chocolate eggs will take you there, then it's not scary. It's entrancing, it's magical. Okay, uh, Arundavanandas, I, I, I don't know how to pronounce that name. I'm so sorry, Arundavanandan, I think. She says, struggling with starting a writing project, how to break through to more to get forward, to move forward. Um, Sorry, that was hard for me to read because it was white on dark. If you are starting a brand new project, this is actually the very best time to do it. But the wrong way for me to go about it is to sit and stare at a blank page or a blank canvas. I talked to you guys last week about creativity and I painted this week. And I got to tell you the painting I'm working on sucks. I hate it. I think I've figured out some things to fix, but the important thing is go- I'm going forward. And once you're moving forward, you can find things to fix. Like once the process of, once the flower opens, then as flowers open all over the place, it's on, spring is coming. So instead of just staring at something that hasn't happened yet, find something that's already flourishing. Like maybe, You've put out tweets in the past that you really like. Maybe you once wrote a page you think is cool. Go back to your old journal. See if there's an interesting tidbit that can push you. You can say, I like that sentence. I'm going to write it down again. Write down things you've already written. I was talking to a wonderful writer yesterday, the day before, and they said that they write their stories or books on one computer and then get on a, they print it out, I think, and then get on a completely different computer and retype it by sight, because there's something about looking at what they've already written that makes them able to, to make it much better. I haven't tried it yet, but I always use the method of find something you've written before, even if it's just a journal entry, and then springboard off that. That's your flower. And from that, summer can come. So don't start from zero, start from the flower. Oh, and that's the same as the next one. How to get unstuck. Feeling very overwhelmed. Exactly. You're trying to make summer come out of winter. That ain't gonna work. Instead, find one, take, take overwhelm. Overwhelm is your Easter egg, right? It's got a lot in it. If you it's got one of those plastic ones, and it's got chocolates and jelly beans and all kinds of delicious things in there. So Your job is to take the overwhelm and not try to swallow it whole. You won't enjoy it that way. Break it down, break it down, break it down. So realize that you can't do much in an hour and decide that you are going to allow yourself to to focus on something relatively pleasant with nothing else on the agenda for an hour. Get with a flower and be still for one hour. It won't be wasted time. Stillness, coming into stillness the lessons that we learn from the plants, they're, they're not absolutely still, but they're growing so slowly. Did you know that plants wake and sleep and they play and they communicate? People didn't, scientists are now found, finding out that plants can do all kinds of things, but they do them very slowly compared to us. So if you sit and get really slowed down and then you start to notice something beautiful, something tender, something new, something interesting, that's going to move you forward. And you just focus on that for a while. Give yourself permission to not do anything else for the rest of the day, if you want. If you're overwhelmed and you're not moving forward, give yourself the whole day. Might as well. I, I did that yesterday, <laughs> the day I found the crocuses. We'd been trying and trying and trying to work on this business thing, wasn't going anywhere. And I just said, the energy's wrong. We got to stop this. My heart doesn't feel this. Let's Let's go outside and smell a flower. And then I woke up and had a different idea and everything started to break loose and break free and become delicious like an Easter egg and fertile like a bunny and redeemed like Jesus. I guess Jesus was the redeemer. Okay, another, that's another topic. All right, Laura says, look up Nauru's and vernal equinox rituals. Marty, what rituals do you incorporate in your creative life daily? Oh, I love that question. I do not know what nauras means, but I will definitely Google it. Um, I love rituals that are about um, centering and stillness. So for example, this morning I woke up at about five, it was dark um, and I was very rattled. Um, I tried to, I grabbed my phone and the screen was locked and then it called 911 by accident. It was not a good thing. And I had to talk to the police and convince them I wasn't being held to ransom. It was rattling. So then what I had to do is go, I had to observe my calming rituals. So I went to my calming chair, which is a calming chair because I've sat there and calmed myself down many times. Put on my calming blanket. It's a purple blanket. It's my friend, my purple blanket. Sometimes I just put my hands on it and I feel calm. And basically I haven't really matured past six months myself, have I? Mm-mm. My little transitional objects and then I get my, I get my Kalman glasses <laughs> and I read my Kalman books which sit by my bed and they're always there for me and the one I read this morning was by Jack Cornfield. Car- it's called A Path With Heart and within a, a few seconds of starting to read his work my whole heart rate dropped and settled and interestingly enough there was a flower on the cover and it made me think about the crocuses and it sort of from a nightmare in the middle of the night, I was suddenly in a brand new still spring morning when the first crocuses have just shown up. And it was because I let, I had, I was blessed by Jack Cornfield's writing. So yeah, those are my boring little rituals, but they sure work for me. Okay, Aditi says, Please, I'm expecting to receive two job offers early next week. I'm struggling to decide which one to choose. One involves returning to the country that we moved from last year and to a role that is similar to one I have done before. Another to a part of the country that we have lived in over 10 years ago and a totally new type of role, which excites me. How do I decide which one is best for me? The way I would tell you and the way any of my coaches would tell you is you go first to your body, not because the body is the, queen of all things, but because it's very measurable and you always have it with you. And because it's a very sensitive animal and it will respond with physical signals, which then quickly become emotional signals, when you consider doing one thing or the other. If you sit them both down and try to look at both of them at the same time, it won't work because it'll be confusing to the animal of your body. So really imagine one thing, feel and notice what you, what physical sensations and emotions occur. Then drop that and imagine the other, look at the two Easter eggs, which one feels yummiest. That is the entire thing that I would say, do what feels yummiest. That's how I got out of my whole business lockup this week. That's how, that's how I've lived. That's how every success I've ever had has come with choosing what feels yummiest. So congratulations, congratulations to Aditi and I hope you have a wonderful time wherever you take a job. Kira says, how can we relax into the becoming of spring when perhaps we don't know exactly what we're becoming? How to avoid the temptation of ego to, strat- to strategize what the something new is? Oh, that's such a good question, Kira. Actually, we never know what we're becoming. And it's coming into don't know mind That's kind of the definition of the eternal springtime of the soul. It's very, very well known in Asian philosophy, the concept of don't know mind. In Western philosophy, it's seen as stupidity. But in Asian philosophy, don't know mind means a mind free from all concepts and open to whatever happens in the present because no one ever steps in the same river twice. In the West, we we categorize and we routinize things and it's very efficient for certain things, but we don't realize that it's never the same river. So you, number one, you never know. So just notice that it's always happening and maybe that will help you relax. And when the ego comes in and says, I need to lock down, I need to figure out what it is. What you'll find is that you, you get stiff, stale, it doesn't feel like the flow of nature. It feels like a box, like it take the difference between a syringe and a flower. Western culture likes to go with full control. I will use the syringe to make things happen. Nature uses the flower and the syringe is often really useful and I'm really grateful for it. But when it comes to what's moving forward in our lives, we don't know. And the flower somehow knows. The flower is okay with not knowing. And that's what I would focus on, not figuring it out, but being okay with open mind. So in the, in the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities. In the expert's mind, there are few. Be the beginner, not the expert. So Donna says, I'm wanting a new life each day. How can I stop the resistance I feel when I hear that everyone say, go back to normal, as I don't want to go back to the world. I don't want what was in that old world. I want a new flower each day, but it seems everyone else wants what it, what was. That could be, and you know what? What they want has absolutely no relationship to your inner experience. You get to walk through the life uh, through life like Byron Katie does experiencing everything new and everything delightful. And it doesn't matter if the people around you are stuck in their ruts. You don't need their permission. You don't need their consent any more than a brand new baby needs permission and consent to be amazed by a new leaf. That's, you own that and no one can take that from you. No one. And finally, Jessica says, what are you reading for spring while we wait for your book, of course? Oh, thank you. Oh my gosh, I'm reading some really interesting books because I'm going on a lot of podcasts and I will tell you a book as we get off that has nothing to do with this entire thing, but I love it. It's a book on negotiating and it's called Never Split the Difference and it's by a former FBI hostage negotiator named Chris Voss and I'm going to be on his podcast. So I was like, I will find, and his book is amazing. It's about how we use, how all, all cooperation is based on irrational psychology. And it's about how to work effectively in the world while maintaining your integrity. And the guy is brilliant and it has, it's very off pace, but one of the things for me, but one of the things I was going to tell you that I ruled out that I'm going to drop in at the very end of this is a brilliant way to start something brand new. Go read a book about something you've never heard about before. I'm also reading one about a plane crash in the Canadian winter Rockies. Like read stuff that's just wildly divergent and the combination of new perspectives will come together and create facets like a diamond, like a gem that have never been seen before. So that's another way to start springtime. Read three books that are completely different from anything you've ever looked at before and then see how that comes together and makes new pathways in your brain. And pretty soon things will be blossoming in there just like our lovely purple crocuses in the garden. So welcome to springtime in the Northern Hemisphere. Welcome to the autumnal equinox in the Southern Hemisphere. And I hope that we're all going to love what we're becoming. I love you and I will see you next week on The Gathering Room. Same bat time, same bat channel. change, eh? Mm, it sure does keep happening. I feel like there's something that you, Martha Beck, have created that will help us understand how change affects us and how to manage it. Oh, by coincidence, now that you mention it, I have. It's called the change cycle. Mm. It's about four aspects of the whole process of change. And we've put the information together in one handy place so that the people can refer to it when they're going through change. And you know what else? We also made podcast episodes about each of the four squares in the cycle that are also on this new page that we've made for the peoples. Well, how remarkable is that? All right, you can find out all about the change cycle at marthabeck.com slash change.